And I know that I say that with a lot of the things that I say related to the Word of God, because all of the Word of God is important to us, but it's this right here, tying in with some of the things I've already told you over the last few weeks, will help you to understand better who you are. We, we always talk about identifying ourselves uh, in the identity of Christ so that we can see things the way Christ saw them, that we can believe things the way Christ believed them, that we can function as Christ functioned when he was here in the earth. But we struggle. We, we almost at times feel like or seem like we're wandering in a wilderness not really sure what direction to go, even though our destination is only a few days away. And I believe that after today, in conjunction with everything else I've already released into your spirit, could change your atmosphere. So I ask you this question today, and I want you to ask this question to yourself. As a matter of fact, if you're, if you're watching us today and we thank the Lord for the ability to reach the world through uh, all these different media platforms, but if you're watching today on Facebook, I'm going to ask that you put this, this uh, question in the comment section. Let me know that you're there. And that question is, where does he live? And this is the question that we have to ask ourselves. Where does he, that is the Lord, God, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, where do they live? The key to uh, understanding this, the indwelling presence of God in us is vital to your success in the here and now. And it's really important that we realize just how important this is and we've been talking about the power of God that's alive in us so that we can fulfill God's desires to pour himself out to us this is his whole purpose this includes the trinity of the Godhead the triunity of the Godhead that's in operation in us even as it was in Christ now in John 3 and 6 we read that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Check the text, John 3 and 6. Now, this verse speaks of two distinct spirits. Now, you have to pay close attention to the text as it's written, and as you're looking at it, you will find that the word spirit is listed twice. But it's not listed twice in the same manner. One is capitalized, and the other is not. It's a lowercase. Now, the first occurrence of the word refers to the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. But the second refers to the human spirit of man. And what it is actually saying to us is that which is born of the Holy Spirit is the human spirit. <laughs> Let me say that for you again. What it's actually saying is that which is born of the Holy Spirit is the human spirit. I'll let that just uh, sit right there for a minute and, and, and just soak into your mentality. You see, this isn't the only scripture that makes reference to this very idea, this concept, this revelation from God that we have missed, 
that many of us have not thought about. I'll give you some examples. I know you're thinking, yeah, well, what are the other scriptures? Well, I'm glad that you thought that because I felt it coming through the airwaves. So another verse showing that these two spirits are in existence is found in John 4 and 24, where it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit. And now if you look at both of the words in that text, spirit, you'll find that God is spirit, that spirit is capitalized, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit, that spirit is lowercase. And again, if you continue to peruse scripture, you'll find that the first spirit is capitalized and the second one is not. We have to worship God who is the spirit, where? In our human spirit. Romans 8 and 16 uh, confirms this even more, uh, the existence of these two spirits where it says the spirit capitalized himself witnesses with what? Our spirit. That what? We are the children of God. Now, the pronoun our definitely designates the, the spirit that's being referred to as the human spirit and should remove any ground uh, or any argument to debate or doubt the real reality of both the divine spirit and the human spirit. Now, stay with me on this. I'm really not going to try to, get, I'm trying not to get preachy, but the more I talk about this, the more excited I get. If you look in Romans 8 and 9 and 10, you'll find that it says the spirit of God dwells in you. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead, the spirit is life. Now, the King James Version capitalizes spirit uh, in uh, verse 10. But better translations such as the American Standard Version render spirit here with a small letter S. Now, you might be wondering to yourself why I'd point this out. And you, you know me, I try to bring every point of view into the things that I'm talking about. But I point this out to your attention uh, because Christians have very little knowledge about the spirit of man. We focus a lot of attention on the Holy Ghost. We talk about the Holy Ghost a lot. But the human spirit, which is the residence and dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The human spirit is the residence and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's almost entirely neglected and rarely spoken of or preached upon uh, except in, in, in relation to our human nature as if uh, they are adjectives for the same thing. Well. But for people to visit with me they must know where I am here in the studio at GMFC if people wanted to come to be in the studio audience they have to know where the studio is they cannot engage with the studio if you don't know where the studio is Amen. if the visitor cannot locate my residence they, they forfeit any chance of visiting with me. Now we talk about the Holy Spirit, yet most of the time we do not even know where the Holy Spirit actually dwells in us. Well. Now Romans 8 and 9 refers without a doubt to the Holy Spirit, but verse 10 speaks of the human spirit. Though the body is dead, the spirit 
is life. Now, the Holy Spirit cannot be compared with our fleshly body. So the comparison that's being made has to be between the human body and the human spirit, not between the human body and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's important that we understand the context for which Scripture is written, for it helps us to better apply that uh, Scripture to our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul said, God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Now, our usual thought is that God is served in the Holy Spirit, but here is a verse that declares that God is served in our human spirit. In Galatians 5 and 16, the phrase walk by the Spirit contains the definite article, the, and it capitalizes the word spirit. Now, many believers misunderstand this text and think that this verse means to walk by the Holy Spirit. But in actuality, what God is saying in his word is that it means to walk by the Holy Spirit from within the human spirit. Well, Remember, you cannot meet with somebody that you do not know where they are. Amen. Now, Bible translators have found it very difficult to decide whether uh, spirit in some passages refers to the Holy Spirit or to the human spirit. And the reason that this difficulty exists is that in the believer, the Holy Spirit, now watch this, and the human spirit, the Holy Spirit and the human spirit are mingled together as one. If you remember, I talked about this, I think it was last week. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 17, he who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. So we are one spirit with the Lord, which clearly indicates that our spirit is mingled together with the Holy Spirit. Uh, th this type of mingling of, of the spirits makes it very difficult for anyone to say whether this is the Holy Spirit or it's the human spirit because the two are mingled together and become one. Now we may say that it is the Holy Spirit and yet we can also say that it is the human spirit of the believer as well. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I get up in the morning sometimes or the afternoon, when I make a cup of coffee, it's pretty much the first thing that I do after giving my wife a hug and uh, making sure I, I, so I got all my fingers and toes, I make a cup of coffee. And that cup of coffee is mingled together with two elements, espresso and milk. And after it is mingled or mixed together, it can be very difficult to tell what kind of drink it is. Is it coffee? Or is it milk? Is it espresso or is it milk? What we actually call it is cafe latte because it comprises both elements, milk and espresso. Now in the New Testament, it's wonderful to see that the two spirits that are in existence, the Holy Spirit mingled with our spirit are in the likeness of this cup of coffee. They are now one. But you have to know where the, whole, the human spirit is. Now, two weeks ago, I showed you that God the Father is in us. If you don't remember, Ephesians 4 and 6 is the foundation of that uh, belief. 
Now, Christ in us in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 is also uh, taught to you two weeks ago. God the Father is in us, but not just the Father. Christ the Son is in us, and not just the Son, but the Holy Spirit is in us as well. You can validate this in Romans 8 and 11. Now, all three persons of the triunity of the Godhead are in existence in us. But where within us is this triunity of God dwelling? In what part? It's so clear beyond any ground of argument that Christ today is in our spirit. And we have the scriptures that confirm this very fact, this very truth. That we should not be so vague as many of our brothers and sisters are who say, oh, the Lord is in you and the Lord is in me. Now, the last verse of uh, 2 Timothy definitely states that Christ is in our spirit. Not just in us, he's in our spirit. The Lord be with your spirit, 4 and 22. Now, in order for Christ to be in our spirit, he must first what? Be a spirit. Next, we must have a spirit for him to be in. And then finally, these two spirits must be mingled together and become one spirit. So if the Lord is not the spirit, how could he be in, in our spirit? And how could we be one spirit with him if he is not spirit? And in order to locate the human spirit, we need to do what? Divide the soul from the spirit. Now, this is, this is where we're going to get into the meat of uh, this lesson today. It's the dividing of the soul from the spirit. Because for too often, the enemy has confused us. The, the flesh, the, the human nature, the fleshly existence of uh, uh, humanity has confused us. Culture has confused us. Uh, varying theologies and doctrines have confused us. And we need to understand specifically the need to divide our soul from our spirit. Now, the word of God, and as a matter of fact, you're going you're gonna to find out uh, by the end of this lesson today that many of you think that you've been living in the spirit when you've actually been living in your soul. And you're going to understand better why that is so problematic. You see, the Bible says that the word of God is living and it's operative and it's what? Sharper than any two-edged sword. As a matter of fact, it even piercing to the dividing of what? What does the Bible say? Soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you don't believe anything I've said, it's Hebrews 4 and 12. I only preach the word. This is not supposition. This is not my interpretation. This is just the word. Now, God's word is, sharp, is a sharp sword, and it, it, it even pierces our very being to divide our soul from our spirit. For example, we're told in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, that we are the temple of God. Now, God's temple, according to the Old Testament, is portrayed in three parts. The temple in the Old Testament is portrayed or designed, described in three parts. The first is referred to as the outer court. 
The second is the holy place, and the third is the holy of holies, which is the most holy place. Now, we know that God was in his temple, but what part of the temple did God dwell? Was he in the outer court? Or was he in the holy place? Well, according to scripture, he wasn't in either of those places. He was in the holy of holies. Now, in the holy of holies dwelt the Shekinah presence of God. In the outer court was the altar, which is a type of the cross. And directly behind the altar was the laver which is, is, is really a type of work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the holy place included the table of bread, uh, of the presence, and, and then the lampstand, and the uh, altar of incense. But what was it that was in the holy of holies? It's the ark. And the ark typifies Christ. Therefore, Christ was in the holy of holies, and God's presence, his Shekinah glory was with him there. Now, Scripture points out that we too, watch this, are the temple of God. Amen. Now, we as um, tripartite beings are also composed of three parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. But the question still comes up, in which part of our being does the triunity of the Godhead dwell? Well, 2 Timothy 4 and 22 states clearly that the Lord is in where? Our spirit. So then in essence, within us, the temple of God, our spirit is the very holy of holies. You know, the, the, the typology of the Old Testament temple uh, really presents a very clear picture here. Christ and God's presence are in the holy of holies. Today, this type uh, of the temple of God is really fulfilled within us, within our spirit. Our spirit is the holy of holies. We are of three parts. Our body corresponds to the outer court, our soul to the holy place, and our human spirit to the holy of holies, which is the very residence of God. It's where God's presence dwells. Having therefore brothers boldness for entering the holy of holies in the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10 and 19. What is the holy of holies for us to enter today while we are here on the earth? It's our human spirit. This is the holy of holies. And if it's the holy of holies, it is where God resides. It is the very chamber in which the spirit of God dwells. Now, if we would find God and find Christ, there is no need for us really to go to heaven in a sense. You see, God in Christ is so available to us. He is in our spirit. He is living on the inside of us. And we are too often uh, acting as if God is separated from us. This is why we need to divide the soul from the human spirit because this is where we get much of our confusion. You see, it's for this very reason that we have to divide our soul from our spirit. Hebrews 4 and 12. If we're unable to divide the soul from the spirit, we simply cannot contact the Lord. 
because the Lord does not dwell in our soul. He only dwells in our spirit. Now, if the high priest was unable to locate the Holy of Holies, then all of his efforts to contact God on the uh, part of Israel would have just ended in complete and utter failure. So the high priest had to first enter the outer court, and from the outer court, he had to enter the holy place, and from the holy place, he would finally enter the holy of holies, and in the holy of holies is where he would uh, meet God and see the Shekinah glory of God's presence. And then he could only go in there once a year. Now we too have to learn to discern our spirit from our soul. You see, the soul conceals and it covers the spirit, just as the bones conceal the marrow that is within. It's easy to see the bones, but not so easy to see the marrow that's hidden within it. And if we're going to get to the marrow, we have to do what? Break the bones. Now sometimes the marrow has to be scraped from the bone itself. And this is indicative of how our spirit sticks to our soul. Our spirit is hidden. It's concealed within us. Now the soul is easily recognized, but the spirit of man is difficult to know. We know uh, very little about the, the Holy Spirit, but we do not know the human spirit at all. You might be wondering to yourself why this might be. It's because the human spirit is concealed in the soul of man. And this is why the soul needs to be broken. And just as the joints are the strongest part of the bones, so, are our, so is our soul uh, extremely strong. And we have this spirit, but our soul covers it up. Now God's word as sharp, dividing of the soul and spirit. It's a sharp sword. It has to pierce our soul in order to break our soul away from our spirit. This is why we have such a necessity uh, to constantly read the word of God and the incessant fight of the enemy to keep you from doing that very thing. Just simply reading the word of God, the enemy fights against so much. You see, the word of God declares there remains a Sabbath uh, rest for the people of God. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. This is what the word of God tells us. So what is this rest then? We have to look at another type in the Old Testament to discover what this uh, scripture is telling us. You see, after the Israelites were delivered and saved from the land of Egypt, they were brought into the wilderness. But they weren't brought to be deposited there. There was an intention that they should go from there into the land of Canaan. Now, the land of Canaan was their land of rest. It was a type of all-inclusive Christ. Christ is the good land of Canaan, and he is our rest. So if we're going to enter into the rest, for the believer, we must enter into Christ. But where is Christ today? Well, our answer is that he is in our spirit. 
Now, the Israelites who uh, were delivered out of Egypt, instead of going on into Canaan, what did they do? They wandered for many years in the wilderness. Well, what does this typify for us? It shows us that even today, many Christians, many of our brothers and sisters, and maybe even you who I'm talking to right now, after being saved, you're simply wandering in your soul. Now, you'll discover this by listening to what you say and what you say often. Their speech shows where they live. Let me give you a let me give you the F word that believers shouldn't say. This is the F word that you should really try to understand how bad it is for you. It's feelings. Well, where are your feelings? Your feelings reside in your emotions. Where do your emotions reside? Your emotions reside in your soul. Now, the reason the book uh, to the Hebrews uh, was written was that many Hebrew Christians were saved, but they were wandering in their soul. They would not press on from the wilderness into the good land that is Christ, who dwells in their spirit. So we, we have to refuse to wander in our soul and press onward to enter into our spirit where Christ is our rest. Some of you are tired and can't find rest because you're wandering in your soul and your soul is not the place of rest. In ancient times, all the people of Israel had access to the outer court, but only the priests could enter the holy place. And even beyond that, into the Holy of Holies, only one time a year the high priest would enter. And that was during uh, the time of repentance. Now, all of the Israelites who were saved and brought out of Egypt into the wilderness, out of all of them, very few went on into the good land of Canaan. Now, just as a side note, I shared this with the body uh, of Christ in convocation uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, just because the veil or that which was separated from us or concealed from us was torn or made open to view and the partition removed does not change the fact that the Holy of Holies is anything less than it was when the veil was in its place. And since this is the place where God dwells, we should continue to treat it with the same reverence as the high priest did when he would enter into it. You see, grace does not diminish our reverence of God. Grace does not diminish our reverence of God. If anything, it enhances. And even though we may have been saved for years, we must ask ourselves whether we are presently a Christian, a believer living in the body, or a Christian living in the soul, or a Christian who is living in the spirit. 
Are we now in Egypt? Uh, are we in the wilderness? Or have we found rest in the land of Canaan? You need to ask the Lord and search yourself in order to be clear where it is that you are. Frankly, many Christians are wandering all day in the soul or, or better described in the wilderness. In the morning, they have smiling faces, but by the afternoon, they're sorrowful with long faces. Yesterday, it seems that we're in, you know, in, in heavenly places, but today, uh, we're not feeling so hot. Many of these, of my brothers and sisters, are wandering in the soulish place, wandering in, in the wilderness where there is no rest, circling in the same rut day after day, or as they used to say, going around the same mountain doing the same thing while expecting a different experience. They, they, they've been following the Lord for 20 years, but they're still going in circles just like the people of Israel who wandered for 38 years with no improvement and no progress to their destination. Why is this? It's because they are in the soul. When we dwell in the soul, we dwell in the wilderness. This is why the writer to the Hebrews emphasizes the need to divide the soul from the spirit. Every time you read the word of God, you have to ask yourself not only what is it saying, the context around what it's saying, but why is it saying this to me? What is the importance of this? The word of God must pierce us so that we may know how to press on from the soul, the wilderness, into the good land and the holy of holies of our human spirit. You see, a soulish believer is, is a believer that's wandering in the wilderness of their soul where there is no rest. And if you find yourself fighting to find rest but never seeming to find it, you may want to re-examine where you're living. Matter of fact, you ought to ask your neighbor, where are you living? You see, the high priest had to pass through the veil in order to enter into the Holy of Holies. So the veil, which typifies the flesh, has to be rent or broken. The people of Israel had to cross the River Jordan in order to enter the land of rest, the good land, the land of Canaan. Now, under the waters of the Jordan, they buried 12 stones. These 12 uh, stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And then another 12 stones representing the resurrected Israelites were brought over into the land of Canaan, the land of rest, the good land. So the old generation of Israel was buried in the death waters of the Jordan River. Now, all of this typifies that the natural man, the soulish life, and the old nature must be broken just as the veil was torn and buried in the old man. Then we can enter into the holy of holies and into the good land in order to enjoy Christ as our rest. We're robbing ourselves of the very thing that God has designed for our success because we have so many distractions from the human spirit, which means distractions from the holy of holies. 
We have to begin to realize that God's economy or the way that he does things is through the triunity of the Godhead and the triunity of the Godhead is found within the human spirit. Now this triune God in the one spirit has taken our spirit as his residence and his dwelling place. So we must learn to discern our spirit from our soul. The problem is that, uh, you know, we as Christians are full of many natural thoughts. After we've been saved, we think that we have to be good. After we are saved, we think that we have to do good. But God in his economy intends to work himself into us as our very life and as everything to us. So we have to forget everything else and only concentrate upon the indwelling presence of God in our spirit. We must not be distracted from the aim or the mark of his indwelling presence. You ought to forget about being good. Yep, I said it. You ought to forget about being good. You ought to forget about doing good things, doing good deeds. God did not command us in the first place to do. He commanded us to be. I am because he is. So my focus is then not on my doing, but upon his being, which is in me, which is automatically revealed in my doing because of my being. You ought to drop all those good things and enter into the holy of holies. See, many Christians are busily working in the outer court. And if that's where you want to dwell, that's good for you. But I don't want to be in the outer court because God is not in the outer court. All these people working in the outer court, they do not know that God's intention for them is to go into the Holy of Holies because it's in the Holy of Holies where they can contact God, where they can be filled with God. They can be occupied with God. They can be one with God in everything and have God as their everything. You have to discern your spirit and fellowship with his indwelling presence. Let him take over and possess you. You see, we have too much religious distraction. Religious distraction is that after we are saved, we feel that we are weak, that we need strength and power. So what do we do? We pray that the Holy Spirit might be poured upon us, that we might be made strong and powerful. But there is no need. Now, some may say that there's some ground for us to do this, but the main line of God's economy, the way God does things, is that we follow him, not in this outward empowering, but in our spirit, because it's in our spirit where the power and the presence of God, the triunity of God dwells. And if he's in our spirit, the most vital thing then is for us to know our spirit and to deny our soul. We need to reject our soul and to walk according to our spirit because the triunity of God is not in our soul, it's in our spirit. And this mark of God's economy is missed by so many Christians, even those dedicated to seeking after him. Let me, let me bring this down to a natural example for you. The Rock, when he was a WWE superstar wrestler, 
he would come out into the ring and he would ask his opponent what their name was or what they were thinking or had to say about something. And when they would start to answer, the rock would yell over top of their speaking by declaring, it doesn't matter what your name is. You see, when we find the triunity of God within our spirit, we can declare over our soul, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus. So I ask you, where is this triunity of God today in you? I know, praise the Lord, that this wonderful God, the triunity of God is in my spirit. I have him. Do you have him? We have him in our spirit this wonderful, all-inclusive spirit is in us. If we are a believer, we have the triunity of God in our human spirit. Our need today is to discern our spirit from our soul. And when we do this, we will know the proper way to access God and fulfill his work in us. You see, in the mechanics of a radio, there is a receiver, a receiving organ, a receiving apparatus. And when we tune the radio accurately, the electric waves that are in the air will hit that receiver. Today, the triunity of God is the spiritual electricity that is floating around. He is the electric waves throughout the universe, and we are the radio. What is the receiver within us? It's our human spirit. So when we tune our human spirit correctly, when we have a broken and contrite spirit, when we are repentant before God and open unto him, if we have such a spirit, then the triunity of God who is found in the spirit and who is the spiritual electricity we need to align with it will immediately attach itself to our receiver, which is our spirit. And all we need to know is how to tune the receiver, how to tune our human spirit, discerning the spirit from everything else. Like your thinking, like your emotions, and your choices. You see, when we discern our spirit from these soulish things, then we will know how to contact the divine spirit. And the divine spirit is a wonderful spirit because it is the Godhead, the triunity of the Godhead. It is then that we will know the Lord's word as the sharp sword piercing to the dividing of our soul from our spirit. And we will realize how to experience, how to enjoy, and how to partake, be a partaker of the indwelling of Christ, not just for now, but for all time. The drive for the believer is to stop living in the soul. Because the soul is not where God dwells. And if you want to enjoy the success in this life today, you have to learn to live where God lives. Because only when you live where God lives 
will you be able to access the things of God? You see, they couldn't access the things of God in the outer court. That means that your flesh will never give you the things of God. If, if the outer court is reflected in the temple, that we are now the temple of God, our flesh is the outer court, and God doesn't dwell in the flesh. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us the flesh is enmity with God. You cannot achieve the things of God. You cannot accomplish the things of God in the outer court. You have to move beyond the outer court. You have to move beyond your flesh. Let my flesh die. Even in the inner court, you cannot access the things of God because God's not in the inner court. If our soul then is in the inner court, the things that are in the soul are not the things for which we can access the things of God. There's a reason why the Bible tells us that we can boldly go before the throne of God. Where is the throne of God? The throne of God is in your spirit. If you want to access the things of God, you have to go to where God is. This is why God gives us the ability to go where he is. This is why the veil was torn in the temple in the first place. It's to give us access, all of us access, not representative by the high priest, but born through the power of Christ. We're not separated from the holy of holies. We're not separated from the very place where God dwells. God has made that place a part of us so that we can access him but many of us have tried to access him and come up short and we've believed that he's just simply then not there when the truth is is you're looking for him in all the wrong places if you want to find God you have to go within your spirit because that's where God dwells this is the life of a believer God dwells in your spirit so that he can be with you each and every day. He pours himself out so that you in this life can live success. Your success is not waiting for you in heaven. Your success is waiting for you right here, right now. Your destiny is right before you. Do you know how close Israel was to their rest, the land of Canaan, as they wandered for almost 40 years in the wilderness and they, they could reach out and touch it. But until they got some things together, they couldn't enter their rest. People of God, it's time for you to enter your rest. You've been struggling long enough. You've been fighting long enough. God is opening the brilliance of your thought that you might realize where it is he is so you can enter your very rest. Enter your rest today by denying the outer court, your flesh, by denying the inner court, your soul, and focusing on the holy of holies, which is the spirit, because that is where the spirit of God dwells. And only there can you truly worship God. Those that worship him can't worship him 
in the outer court. They can't worship him in the inner court. They can only worship him where he is, and that's in the spirit. God bless you. Have a beautiful day in the Lord. Thank you for your time. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.